Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from the Apple, and uh, let's get right into it. Seven in a row, guys. Uh, it just sounds good coming off the tongue. The Mets appear to have uh, left their April inadequacies behind them. Um, they've hit some sort of stride in May. Uh, the starting pitching, even without Jacob DeGrom this week, looks to have emerged as a uh, as this team's bread and butter. Uh, I think they, uh, at least on, on Thursday, their 2.99 ERA as a group. It's good for fifth in baseball. Uh, their 2.99 walks allowed per nine is also good for uh, fifth in baseball. They've allowed the fewest home runs in the majors, um, 0.44 per nine innings and five total. The next closest team, St. Louis, has given up seven. So again, this um, the whole staff is just just absolutely performing at a top capacity. It's it's extremely exciting to see. Um, you know, this is <laughs> it's what we all hoped for, and we never get that. So uh, Marcus Stroman and Taiwan Walker, they've practically been aces. Uh, as many have pointed out already, the Mets currently have three of the top 10 starter ERAs in baseball between those two and Jacob deGrom. Um, and even though David Peterson, he hasn't been super consistent, um, you know, this group is just, you know, they, they, they're outdoing themselves. Um, if you listen to the show, if you read on the Apple, we talk a lot about internal competition and we're kind of seeing that all play out right now. And, uh, again, it's, it's such a, um, Cool thing to see. We've seen that kind of process take place in the past. Um, even that, that 2015 group, um, those guys were all kind of just neck and neck trying to outdo each other. And um, at, at the end, you just you get a, a better product on, on the whole. And, um, you know, talking about Peterson, yeah, he hasn't been super consistent. But, you know, every time he comes out, he's ready to compete. And that, that speaks volumes about what type of uh, – I guess what type of player and what type of competitor he is. I was talking with Joe Pantorno and Alex Mitchell on the Bridge and Tunnel podcast on Wednesday about this. Check it out if you haven't. Those guys, <laughs> they talked me up to the point that um, I've begun to listen to their introduction of me just to get a little fired up in the morning. <laughs> it's, it's really a, a fun show, fun guys. Um, give, it, give it a listen if you haven't yet. So anyway, with Peterson, confidence is everything. And for him, we've mentioned he hadn't pitched above double A before making his debut last season. Uh, He only saw a handful of teams in 2020. And so, you know, confidence and really for any young pitcher, you know, that importance is kind of magnified in those situations. Um, We've seen too many young players to count. And that's on both sides, position players and pitchers. They kind of let the ups and downs of this game get the best of them before they truly blossomed. Heading into the season, if you've been following along, you know that was at least one of my personal concerns with giving Peterson a spot in the rotation. And and I'm not – this isn't a knock on Peterson. He's done terrifically um, – a little inconsistent, but – Again, um, you'd hate to see the progress that he made, or I I was concerned that the progress that he made in 2020 would be nullified by (laughs) being shellacked in 2021. Um, You know, and he had a very nice spring. He certainly earned his spot. Uh, Got a little, you know, hit hard in his first start. He had a 10 strikeout gem in his second start, a clunker in his third, another step forward, another step back. You know, you see what I'm getting at, but... 
you know, no matter what, this guy just keeps his head up. He keeps competing and, you know, just an enormous hat tip, at least for me, from a fan's perspective. And, you know, it's probably a testament to the challenges that he faced during his formative years. Uh, lost his father at a young age. The emotional toll that that, that, that took. Um, if you read Anthony DeComo's story from earlier in the season, uh, really just, you know, touching stuff and, you know, the, the challenges that he faced. We talked about this last week. Adversity fosters growth. Um, at the same time, you know, the same thing can be said for this team as they take a page out of the uh, <laughs> the book of Hokey Pokey and really turn things around. Um, I spoke about that a bit on Thursday at the Apple. You know, there's been a lot of speed bumps along the way so far. Uh, for a while, you'd have thought that driving in base runners was against the rules of the game. Um, and even with the injuries taking their toll on the, you know, I guess the depth of the organization – um, sure, the Mets did a lot, but you know they're really kind of getting down to the nitty gritty. They just called up Khalil Lee because of uh, the injuries. Um, you know this team hasn't backed down from any of those challenges or any of those uh, just bumps in the road, and so far at least. But in a sense, that's kind of what this is all about. Um, as we said, overcoming adversity it leads to growth. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. I don't have another cliche, but you get it. <laughs> um, you know, watching practically the entire offense break down in April and then see if the seeing the only two, I guess, fully operational bats in your lineup at the time in Brandon Nimmo and J.D. Davis kind of fall by the wayside with injuries. You know, this group could have easily let things get out of control and let it kind of spin. Um, that didn't happen. You know, the message from Luis Rojas never changed. Uh, the players staying they stayed focused. You know, they put their noses to the grindstone. They put their work in. And, you know, look at them now. The guys are hitting. Uh, the pitching staff, the entire pitching staff is performing. The bench mob is mobbing. I mean, you know, Kevin Pillar has just been um, a godsend. I mean, I don't think anyone expected this type of production from him. And it might be um, uh, premature. Or it would probably be uh, – it wouldn't be wise to expect this level of, of production from him moving forward. But, boy, if he can be a capable player off the bench as he's been in Nimmo's absence, making just terrific plays in the outfield. I think he's hitting something like 350 in May. <laughs> like, uh, you know, that that's going to play. And, and, sure, you know, this isn't going to last forever. He's going to have um, – he's going to hit a downturn just like every ball player does. But, boy, with Nimmo starting his um, – his rehab assignment in Syracuse on Thursday night, um, expected back by the weekend, we hope. Uh, at least that's what Louis Rojas was mentioning during the week. You know, he he, he served his purpose. He did his job. And um, at least and now I'm sure Rojas has even more confidence in him. You know, plug him in there if Dom needs a night with uh, playing against uh, in Tampa Bay this weekend. Dom's going to be the DH. You're going to have to you know, fill out the outfield. And, it, you know, by all accounts, Pilar's <laughs> kind of done all he can or done all he's asked and done all he had to do to, to, to have a spot. That's, um, you know, it just kind of speaks to the um, the movement that this franchise took this uh, this offseason and kind of shoring up deficiencies. But, um, you know, the Mets head south, and it's not just with momentum, but it's with a, a clearer idea of, of – or a, at least a clearer picture of that ultimate goal. That kind of was, uh, you know, brought about in, in spring training. You know, as things were falling apart in April, um, the visions of this team celebrating in October it became a little tougher to imagine. Heading into the season with the expectations that they had, 
uh, only to falter at the start, you know, it's going to have that effect. Uh, this fan base was likely the most affected by the slow start. People were just freaking out, and that's that's understandable. Uh, we're a tortured bunch. Sometimes it shows. <laughs> it's been some time since um, these loyal-to-a-fault fans have had uh, the opportunity to actually grasp tangible success. And, you know, for as long as most of us can remember, we'd been fed a pretty steady diet of best-case scenarios if everything works out just right. Uh, you know, that's, um, it feels like that's a thing of the past. It feels like it's, it's not a crapshoot anymore. You know, this, this organization really took the effort to bring everything up to snuff and it's, you know, it's paying off handsomely right now. And sure, it took a little while for things to start clicking, but boy, they are, um, they're on a roll and it's very fun to see, but, you know, especially with the pitching staff, we, we all realize that come August, you know, Tywan Walker could, in theory, be the Mets' fifth starter. Um, you know, that's what we're working with here, and that's it, it, it's a dream. I mean, you know, if you're pushing Peterson and Joey Lucchese off to, um, you know, swingman roles or, or back and forth between the minors, you know, that's a, um, that's a luxury. But um, and, and, you know, back to the depth. I mean, names like Kevin Pillar and Jonathan VR and Aaron Loop and Jacob Barnes and Sean Reed Foley, you know, these weren't the most exciting names on the board, but, you know, they've come through in spades. And, you know, Patrick freaking Mazika, you know, 0 for 5, 3 RBIs, 2 walk-offs, but he's still, uh, you know, he's got full legend status achieved in a week. Just, um, you know, something special is happening here, and, and you can feel it you just as a fan. You know, we all watch every game. I watch every game. I write about every game. and It just feels different. Even in 2019, in the second half, when they were firing on all cylinders, making a run, it still doesn't have the energy that this little, you know, it's only, it's only been six weeks and it's been a rough six weeks at that. And it still feels, um, it feels different, but you know, the energy, the, the togetherness, um, you know, you guys saw what was the, the team's beach outfits heading out of town for Tampa Bay on Thursday. That was awesome. Frankie Lindor, excuse me, Francisco Lindor's uh, little, uh, <laughs> his lifeguard booty shorts showing off those yams. That was pretty funny. But, you know, the chemistry, the brotherhood, it's all it's all really exciting. For a long time, you know, things weren't like this. You remember um, – you know, there was a lot of moving around of deck chairs and, you know, the, the Mets' former front office, um, it, it was just more of the, it was the same shit year after year and the same middling year after year. And under new direction, um, you know, you can actually feel progress has been made. Uh, if we could take anything away from the last week or two, it's that this group is willing and able to dig in a little bit and pick themselves up. And it shows they expect greatness from themselves. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter what we expect you know, from the outside looking in, they, they, they have a job to do. They, they can't worry about what we're doing. And sure, we're going to boo. We're going to get upset. We're going to be disappointed. We're going to, you know, shoot for the moon and come up short sometimes. It's going to happen. But, um, you know, this isn't a team that's, that's – it doesn't appear like they're quitting anytime soon. I mean, we've seen ball clubs mail it in starting in May. Hey, hey 2002 Mets. Uh, you know, we've seen teams content – having reservations for the basement before opening day. And that's going back to the early nineties. But, you know, the, the, like I said, there really appears to be no quit in this group and, as public, as publicly tough as the team took Chili Davis's removal. You know, there's no question they've played better in his absence. Um, and of course there's going to be downtimes that continue and, you know, it's going to happen over 162 games, but you know, the key to keeping that train moving is kind of limiting 
those instances. And, you know, this team appears capable of handling those types of situations. I mean, they might have handled a season's worth of controversy in the last few weeks, and they still came out firing on the other end. That's um, that's special. We're going to take a very quick break, hear from our sponsors, and uh, jump right back into it. Hang tight. And welcome back. Uh, we're going to get this one right out of the way. Uh, Jared Kalanick makes his MLB, MLB debut for the Mariners on Thursday. Uh, you can go ahead and take a second to scream into the pillow if you want. I'll wait. Okay, we're good? Good. Um, so, yeah, the Mets have uh, – oh, good. My neighbor's revving his motorcycle. Hopefully that's not uh, <laughs> too loud in the background. But So, yeah, the Mets have Edwin Diaz closing games. He's doing a great job of it, by the way. Robinson Cano is on the ineligible list due to getting popped for PEDs for a second time. And the Mariners are pretty much linking, logging their way to a dynasty. Um, you know, Jared Kellenick's leading the way as far as exciting young talent, uh, but they've really got no shortage of it um, coming up in Seattle. Julio Rodriguez, Noel V. Marte, uh, Logan Gilbert, who also got called up on Thursday to make a start. You know, even guys who were already up uh, last year's AL Rookie of the Year, Kyle Lewis, Taylor Trammell, who's been in Cincinnati, San Diego, and now he just finally makes his uh, debut in Seattle. I mean, this is a blue-chip prospect, and he's been getting tossed around for a couple of years. Um, you know, and he's going to end up being or him, him or, or Lewis or whoever. Uh, you know, by next season, they could be a fourth outfielder. And that, that just speaks to the talent that they've built. And even Evan White, who... I'm a big Evan White fan. He's first baseman out in Seattle. He'll get there, but uh, he, he struggled so far. But, you know, this is a World Series caliber core, and Kellenix, he's going to be the centerpiece of all of it. <laughs> I hope you guys are all prepared for that. You know, it's not a certainty, but it's certainly a potential outcome. Um, and, you know, I'll never not be furious with Brody Van Wagenen and the previous owners for signing off on such a, a short-sighted landscape-shifting deal, but... In all honesty, I'll never stop rooting for Jared Kalanick. Um, you know, the worst are the fans who somehow think they can hold it against the player for getting traded across the country before he, um, you know, had a chance to blossom with the team he was drafted by. But, you know, I, I, don't, I just don't understand that. You know, anyway, I'm a big Jared Kalanick fan. I'm 100% rooting for him to succeed. And not only because he's an absolute stud, um, but because it ensures that Brody Van Wagenen never, ever gets another job in baseball, or at least on, you know, the uh, the team side of the table again. Let him keep on doing his aging thing. But boy, that that's um, that's damage with uh, ripple effects that are going to go on forever. You know, there's a. I'm not going to you know send him to Cooperstown now. He's making his MLB debut tonight. But um, everything's pointing to this kid being an absolute star and. Uh, you know, to give that up for a guy who pitches an inning a day, um, who can't go more than two days in a row. And again, I'm not trying to dig in on on Diaz. He's been terrific, and uh, he certainly um, it fills a role that this team needed, and he's probably exceeded those expectations, uh, at least on his way to. But, boy, uh, you, you have to imagine what it would be like to have Kellenic Roman center with uh, Conforto and Nimmo in the corners. I'm sure what you would do with Dom. I guess he'd be a bench player until next year when the DH comes in. But yeah, I guess we're all stuck sitting around and wondering what might have been for the next, oh, I don't know, 10, 15, maybe more years while, uh, while Kalanick just, um, you know, he embarks on a, on a career that, again, I'm, I'm certainly going to be rooting for him. There's no way that I'm not going to be. Um, we were all very excited, you know, and I was still mesmerized at the time. 
when when he was drafted, it's like, oh my god, they got Kellenic. And uh, you know, even through his first year in the minors, his first little taste of professional ball, um, you know, Raken, he, he was everything as advertised, and you know, that was only what two years ago, and he's making his MLB, uh, he's making his MLB debut tonight. So, um, yeah, he's already on that fast that fast track, and uh, and no signs of slowing down. So, you know, we we have seen guys kind of hit a peak and we all think that he's going to make it there and he doesn't and that kind of brings us to our next subject who of course is uh our old friend Matt Harvey um Matt Harvey returned to City Field on Wednesday he got all the love he deserved from the uh, Flushing Faithful he took the mound in the first he got a nice ovation uh came to take his first at bat a couple of innings later got an even nicer ovation and um you know, it just what a beautiful sight. I'm serious. You know, and after the game, Matt said he was holding back tears, and uh, he wasn't the only one. And I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of us. You know, at least for me, um, you know, the 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 ascent was, of course, you know, electric, magical. Uh, I guess Gary Cohen and them were talking about it during the broadcast. How uh, you know the excitement of of Harvey starts. Um, I guess they're debating whether it pales in comparison to DeGrom days. Um, I think it's on par with a with a Pedro day. And, and if anyone who remembers Shea Stadium when Pedro was starting in his first few years with the Mets, um, you know, just absolutely, you know, bedlam. Um, you catch Pedro making a Friday night start at Shea, and boy, there is a glow to that crowd. And it's, um, you know, <laughs> a nice combination of excitement, bewilderment, and, and, and lots and lots of draft beer. But uh, you know, it's, it's that, it was that same level of, of just, wow, we're witnessing greatness. And, you know, for a moment in time it was, and, um, you know, things happened and the mountain he climbed to get back to that moment or this moment on Wednesday, um, getting over all the injuries, all the self-inflicted setbacks, you know, it's, it's, it's inspirational as the kids say, no cap. <laughs> um, it's funny how I talked about it for the apple on Wednesday, um, it's funny how the certain choices that we make throughout our lives from, you know, the important ones to the seemingly inconsequential ones, they kind of reverberate over time. Excuse me, I got to take a sip of water. And thank you. So, you know, whether a conscious decision is made or the, the natural process of life forces us to kind of make a decision or choose a path... Um, you know, every action has a reaction. I'm very familiar with the process myself. Bad life choices set me back substantially. Uh, for some people, it's the only way they learn. You know, sometimes a, a stern talking to with a warning not to do it again, it just isn't enough. Sometimes we've really got to, we've got to squirm to actually grow. And yeah, I, I squirmed, man. Um, you know, coming to the realization that you're not only throwing everything away, but that the ball's already left your hand and it's just dick high headed right for the plate. Um, it's a tough pill to swallow. You know, when you're living, when you're living a life of addiction, which, you know, years ago I was, um, the particular heaviness of, of realizing that, holy shit, I'm in way too deep. It's got the potential to drive you further in. And, you know, that voice in your head, your conscience saying, no, dig up, stupid. It fades away really fast when you're in that nightmare. And, um, not until someone's ready to change will they actually change. Uh, many of you have 
likely seen that story play out many times. Um, it might have been you. It might have been friends. You know, the whole lost cause. You know, someone when you say oh, that person's a lost cause, it takes a lot to get to that point. But um, you know, I, I've been there. Um, I'm sure you know we can all look back and not, of course, not having eyes directly on the situation. Matt Harvey, at least in most fans' eyes, oh, he's a lost cause, and um, you know that's why his journey back has struck such an just a, a tremendous chord with, with myself and with others. And, you know, aside from his rise and fall as the Dark Knight, um, which, you know, <laughs> that endears him to to some, but for others, um, it's been, a, I guess, a point of contention. Um, you know, people are disappointed. And I get that. I understand that. But um, you have to, I guess, taking a step back from it, which over the last couple of years, we all could. If you remember, Matt Harvey came back with the Reds right after he was traded. And he gave a, a really long press conference. He was very contrite. He was very remorseful. But, um, you know, and pretty much saying the same things he said on Wednesday, which were really, they were, um, uh, he was embraced. And it was just really cool to see. But when he came back with the Reds, I think that was 2019, um, it, it, the reception wasn't as warm. Um, I, I just don't think I don't think fans were ready to hear it. The disappointment of of being so um, captivated and invested in the rise of Matt Harvey and, and the fall it kind of hit everybody because you know we're Mets fans. We love this team like they're our family. Um, you know they spend <laughs> we spend more time with Gary Keith and Ron than than we do with probably some of our extended family, and, and that's. We wouldn't have it any other way, but, um, you know, seeing Matt Harvey, at least personally, seeing him fall from grace, um, you know, that, that it hurt to see, especially in my case where I was in that position myself. And, you know, I'm not saying it was the exact same thing, but you get caught up in, in life and, and you, 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 you take missteps and you, you, you fuck up. There's no other way to put it. You fuck up. And, uh, you have to kind of earn your way back and earn that trust back and, and all those things. And, you know, <laughs> we can't speak to the exact causes of Harvey's career, career derailment. He talked about it a, little, a bit when he came back with the Reds. He pretty much just summarized it as bad choices. Um, but it's fair to assume that, yeah, poor decisions were made. And, you know, as you and me and Matt Harvey and millions of others have proven million a time, millions of times, um, it's not necessarily about what you did in the past <laughs> within reason. Um, it's what you do in the future that seals your legacy. And sure, if Matt Harvey fell off the face of the major league planet <laughs> and, and never resurfaced and, and just kind of went about his life, um, you know, this would have been the narrative through time. Like, Oh, what happened to Matt Harvey? Oh yeah. You know, he, he just, you know, it fell apart for him. Um, and again, this wasn't all due to, lifestyle or decisions. Matt Harvey dealt with tremendous injury issues. Uh, thoracic outlet syndrome is no joke. That's a career ender. Only now are pitchers beginning to, or I guess I should say is technology and medicine beginning to catch up and allow pitchers to work through it. But guys like uh, uh, Tyson Ross, uh, Chris Archer, there's so many I could, uh, I just, I'm not thinking of them. Um, you know, 
these guys were almost like guinea pigs in this in this process. Tyson Ross, when he had to get the surgery, I mean, he thought he was good. He came back for the Padres. He was, oh my God, I made it back from TOS. And then, you know, before long, it just, it took him down again. And I believe he's still in the minors making his way back, but he's not been the same pitcher. And that's just, you know, it's a career ender. And for him to make it back from that and have, you know, we saw his change up on Wednesday. Matt Harvey's changeup was still Matt Harvey's changeup. And sure, his fastball might not be hitting 98, but boy, 95, 94, 95, 93, whatever. Um, up in the zone with, with secondary stuff that works, you know, the Mets got to him kind of fast. But shit, if you're going to be a number four starter for the Baltimore Orioles, that's going to play. And I hope he makes it through the season. I, re- I really do. Because you don't know how situations might change there. You know, Harvey has three or four bad starts in a row, and they have some young kid coming up. I think D.L. Hall might be ready soon for the Orioles. Uh, you know, you get to that point, and Matt Harvey might be jettisoned. At that at that point, um, I, I wouldn't be against the Mets bringing him in if maybe you need a bullpen arm. Get him in there. Get get me a, get me three outs. I, I'm totally okay with that. And you know, two years ago that might not have been the case for a lot of fans, but. Uh, you know, if Matt Harvey is still performing and he finds himself without a job, come you know, shy of the uh, the roster deadline for postseason rosters, or whatever, just later in the season, I would certainly be okay with taking a flyer on him and seeing if he can provide and you know, little hey, a rejuvenated Harvey back in back in New York City. Um, I, I think that could it, it could work out well. It could also provide a really cool storyline. But again, it wouldn't be a a high leverage spot, but. Um, back to the legacy. So Matt Harvey's baseball legacy, it's, it's forever going to be linked to, to a missed opportunity to be one of the greats. And he was well on his way there, but it didn't pan out. And, you know, clearly, as we saw on Wednesday, it doesn't mean his story had to end there. And I think, you know, for Mets fans, at least Wednesday really couldn't have worked out much better. Um, you got to see a, a fallen hero return home in a visitor's uniform. Uh, the good guys won again, seven in a row. Um, they're extending their lead in the NL East now, and this is, I guess I'm looking currently, by tomorrow morning when this is posted, it's going to be a little different, but, uh, you know, the Mets head into Friday, uh, Thursday night, 18-13, and 13. they're a game and a half ahead of the Phillies, uh, no one else in the division is above 500, and, yeah, uh, San Francisco and St. Louis, who are 22-14 and 14 and 23-15 and 15 respectively, those are the only two teams ahead of the Mets, so, you know, um, Things are kind of shaking out exactly, well, not exactly how, but um, kind of how we all expected them to. Um, the Mets just kind of have to pull away. And over the last week, they've done a very good job of planting the seeds for a, uh, you know, for, for leaving a few of these teams in the dust. And over the next week between, you know, Tampa Bay for three, and then you have three in Atlanta and three in Miami, um, you know, at least on the on the back end of this trip between the Braves and the Marlins, um, you can really, you know, put a dent at least uh, in, in that that divisional record. Um, put a little separation between yourself and the Braves, even the Marlins, who <laughs> they're not playing that bad. I believe they're playing 500 baseball right now. Um, it's a nice team. They're four four games under 500. They're 16 and 20, but you know they're going to keep on bringing guys up. Uh, Jesus Sanchez is playing really, really well for them in the minors. JJ Blade is going to be up soon. Um, Oh, I'm forgetting. Oh, Jazz Chisholm. I know he got hurt a couple of weeks ago. I believe they're expecting him back at some point soon. Uh, Sixto Sanchez, Pablo Lopez. Jeez. Um, yeah, 
They, you know how the Marlins do. They, they keep on, they just restock and retool. And then no matter what, they have all these blue chip prospects that just come up and they make immediate, uh, immediate waves. And, uh, yeah, very cool to see, but folks all is well in Metsville. So until next time, uh, you know where to find us, check out the Apple, please check out the Apple. Um, really enjoying what I'm doing over there. We are building a little following. It's, it's actually really cool to see, um, kind of take form. And of course, you know where to find Simply Amazing, anywhere you listen to podcasts. So uh, we will see you on Monday. Hopefully we have a nice weekend series to discuss. And let's go Mets. Peace. Peace.